This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I want to ask you to think about your biggest fear in life. Maybe you've overcome that. That'll be awesome if you've maybe had a fear and you've overcome that. But any current fear or any past fear, anything that you can think of that terrifies you, out of your mind. I had two of those, especially at school. I was terrified of computers. I thought, surely there's a button, one button somewhere, and surely I'm going to press it, and surely this thing is going to explode. I had this terrifying fear of computers. I'm much better now, praise God. I married a, a, a man who's very much on top of, you know, all the latest gadgets and things, so I can't be afraid anymore. I also was terrified of English. I'm a very Afrikaans girl, and I couldn't speak English to save my life, not even in a moment of self-defense. It wouldn't have worked. <laughs> I, was, I was terrified. I'll share more about that later, but I want to give you a few ideas of major fears. That, that There's a guy, Adam Smith. He's a coach and a motivational speaker. He says these fears keep people away from fulfilling their dreams. We're doing a series eh, called Dreaming with God. Andre started last week, and we want to encourage you to pursue your dreams. But in the process of pursuing our dreams, there's many times there's obstacles, and many times it's a fear. So I want to read you a few. It should be on the screen as well. There's a fear of inadequacy. Many of us battle about that you, you're, not, you're not skilled enough. There's a fear of uncertainty, a fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of missing out, fear of change, fear of losing control, fear of being judged. Fear of something bad happening, fear of getting hurt. I can go on and on. If you Google, all kinds of fears people have, it's crazy. It is just, I mean, I've never even heard about some of these fears. It's just, I mean, it, it, name it, there's a fear for that. And there's a fancy name as well, some, some name that, that they call it. And there's just so many things that can inhibit us and keep us from what God called us to do. I don't know how many of you know Lisa Bevere. She's a well-known author, uh, preacher. She shares that there were two things when she was at school. You know, my, my things were computers and English. Her two things were speech and also speaking. Eh? I don't know how many of you are afraid of public speaking. Maybe quite a few. That's apparently quite a high one on people's list, fear of public speaking. It was very high on my list as well, believe it or not. So Lisa Bevere shares two things that terrified her above anything else, speech, speaking, and typing, typing. Now, 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 the reason for that was she actually lost all sense of spatial awareness because her one eye had to be removed at the age of five because of cancer. I know how many of you know that she always looks so beautiful in pictures, even, you know, when, when you look at her, you can't really notice that, but She's only got one eye working. So she begged her guidance counselor to be exempt from typing and to be exempt from any kind of speaking classes when she was at school. And the beautiful thing is now, God is using her powerfully in both those two things. She's traveling the world, speaking to millions, thousands, millions. I don't know, it must have been, must be millions by this stage that she's impacted. She's writing books. She's keeping on writing books. And for those of you who don't know, you need to be able to type to write a book. We know you don't do it like this anymore. So speech and typing, the two things that terrified and challenged her above anything else. 
is now the two things that she's using the most to glorify the name of God. For me, it's, it's so beautiful. And for me, it's been so encouraging because there were so many things in my life that I thought is going to cripple me for life. I wouldn't be able, I will never be able. There were so many things and when, when I looked at myself that, that were things that kept me from believing. It kept me from pursuing what God wanted me to do. So I want to ask you another question. I hope you all identified uh, one fear. If you can't identify any fear, you must please pray for me afterwards, okay? If, if you can overcome your greatest fear, how would you live differently? If you can overcome your greatest weakness or obstacle or that thing that frightens you and challenges you above anything else, how would you live differently? And this is what I want to I wanna talk about this morning. I want to take you to a scripture in Jeremiah. Very interesting conversation between Jeremiah and God. You know, we, we often forget that the characters in the Bible, they were human, just like us. They were normal people. They had questions. They had fears. They had dreams. They, they had many things that, many, many, many questions and many, many things that they were wrestling through the same way we do. So let's look at this conversation between Jeremiah and, and God. Jeremiah 1 verse 4, it says, Then the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me. That's Jeremiah speaking. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah said, Oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, that's again Jeremiah, it's this conversation between him and God. Do not say, I am a youth. Do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand. He touched my mouth, and he said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. Beautiful. And I want to highlight a few things in this passage uh, this morning. First one, now the word of the Lord came so clearly to him, and then he said, God, I can't speak. You know, there's so many people in the Bible who thought they couldn't speak. So if you are somebody who feel that you can't speak, you know, there's some, so many people, they, they feel they can't even pray out loud, not even in front of four or five people. If you are one of those people... Just take courage this morning that there's many others who felt the same at some point in their lives. And Jeremiah said, I, I, I cannot speak. But then God said, do not say, I'm a youth. It was so clear. God just said, do not say. Even, even you know, before his words were called, it's like, do not say, I'm a youth. We should stop voicing our disqualifications. We should stop saying, I can't, I don't know. You know, for some of us, our youth might be the obstacle. It might be the exact same thing that you battle with. For some of us, it's our background or our education or finances or, or our culture or our self-esteem or confidence. There could be so many things that you feel is disqualifying you from the call of God. Even when God comes and you say, before you were born, I knew you. Before you were formed in the womb, I ordained you to do something great. In, in spite of those things, we can look at ourselves and find so many things 
that disqualifies. But God says, do not say, I'm a youth. Do not say. You know, as I, as I said for many years, speaking English for me was the greatest, greatest obstacle in my life, greatest fears. I grew up, up in a very Afrikaans town. Nobody spoke English. Even my English teacher was Afrikaans speaking. <laughs> she spoke really well, but she was Afrikaans speaking. So I, I really battled. You know, I wasn't even big on movies, so even American English. I didn't even learn American English, okay? So I was, I was, it, I was completely hopeless in, in this area. And I, I, I joke with my son because I, I tell him I could only say apple in grade one because A for apple, it was the first card on the, you know, on the wall. So I could say apple. I was confident saying apple. And I remember crying on Sunday evenings in grade one. I was in an Afrikaans school, so how many English could they expect of you to speak in grade one? I cried because I was worried they're going to make me speak English. In grade one, I, I didn't battle academically at all, but I didn't want to go to school because of this one thing. So throughout my high school career, it was a major battle for me. And when I went to university, I said to God, Lord, I see this as a, as a massive problem. In my life, I need help. So I prayed. I said to God, please give me a roommate my, in my hostel. Please give me an English roommate because I need help. So God obviously agreed that I needed help. <laughs> there were six girls in our hostel, six first years. One of them, she was a German girl, but she was fluent in English. She became my roommate. So as I say, God agreed. Sonika needs help. He was sending someone. And I said to her, Justine, I need your help. She wanted to learn Afrikaans. So I said, I'll teach you Afrikaans. You must teach me English. I'm going to humble myself. You can correct me as often as you feel is needed, but I need to, I need to learn. And it, maybe for you it's completely foreign. I mean, but, but just put yourself in a situation where some of you need to learn Afrikaans. Okay. For some of you, it might have been German, you know, if, if, or, or French when I say Afrikaans. So for me, it was just, even though, it seems in today's world, most people are completely comfortable. I wasn't. And it is just amazing how, how God helped me to stop voicing that disqualification. I mean, some of you may think this girl still needs a bit of help, maybe. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm still working on it. But I had to stop voicing the, the, this disqualification and say, God, what are we going to do about this? I recognize it as a limitation, but how are we going to change this thing in my life that is, is keeping me from fulfilling the school? So I, wanna, I just want to read you a few things from, from other people, you know, famous people. I always think people just somehow just ended up being famous. <laughs> Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he succeeded. Henry Ford, five times. He went broke five times before he, before he succeeded. Best-selling author Max Licardo had his first book rejected by 14 publishers, one fall, before finding one that was willing to give him a chance. So you need to go for a 15th time to a publisher and say, yes, my book. And now he's a best-selling author. Walt Disney, listen to this one. Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper because he lacked ideas. He was fired from a newspaper. Later, he went bankrupt several times before he built Disneyland. 
Upon his election as a U.S. president, Abraham Lincoln was called a baboon by a newspaper. And the paper went on to say that American people would be better off if he were assassinated. How's that for encouragement? <laughs> but ultimately became the president. So wh what is keeping you from dreaming back? What is keeping you from dreaming back? Is it failure? Is it people's opinions? Fear or inadequacy or financial lack? Let's stop voicing those things. I mean, it's the very first step. If we want to start dreaming big with God, let's stop voicing our disqualifications. Even if it's a very real one, like in my situation, let's stop saying it and let's, stop, oh, let's start working with God towards overcoming whatever that might be. Amen. The second one I want to highlight in this in the scripture is God said to him, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Second step, if we want to we want to dream big with God. We need to face our fears. We need to somehow find the courage to face what is frightening to us. You know, when, when we started doing international missions, again, or Andre started at Shafais London in 2012, our first trip as a church, um, or our first year as doing international missions in 2012, he went to India. There were other teams as well. And the two biggest things that kept me from doing it with him, apart from my son that was relatively small still at that age, two things, two fears that kept me from doing international missions with Andre. First one was, at that stage, my sleep was still very fragile, so I was worried that I'm not going to sleep. And the second thing was, I was worried that I'm going to get nauseous on the plane, because especially on a long international flight, it's very easy, I'm, I battle with motion sickness. So now I thought my husband, he wants to change the world, and then I'm not going to sleep, and I'm going to get sick on the plane, and then I'm going to be this pathetic wife, okay? And he wants to change the world, and now he sits with me. And it was very real. For me, it was the two most, um, or the two biggest reasons that kept me from saying, I want to do this with you. And in 2015, God said to me, Sonika, you need to face these fears, because I want you to go with Andre. I need you to go with Andre. And I say to God, okay, what, what, what do we do with these fears? It's still real. Even though God said to me, I need to, I need to face them, they were still there. And God gave me the following scripture in, just before we went to Brazil in 2015. Psalm 23 verse 5, it says that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And God said to me, Sonica, sleeping and motion sickness, they are your enemies. They are your enemies, and they scream loudly, and they, they try to, to intimidate you. But I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And what God said to me with that is that even if I don't sleep, and even if I vomit on the plane, like five or six times, okay? Even if it's the worst, picture just the worst scenario, okay? I don't sleep, I get sick. And even in the midst of that, God's going to prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What is a table talking about? It talks about a feast. It talks about a celebration. It talks about fun. It talks about community and a place of safety and a place of, of family. And God said to me, even if, even if your two worst fears happen, 
when you go with him, I'm going to prepare a table for you. And it, it, it removed those fears altogether. It changed my whole perspective that I said to God, okay, even if it, even if it happens, I know you're going to prepare a table for me. It changed everything. So I want to, I want to, I want to show you a photo of us. I think it should, that's our team in, uh, that's on the, um, that Sugarloaf Mountain at the back. It was an incredible experience. It wasn't easy. The trip wasn't just all easy for me, but God addressed those fears. And I had, I had the opportunity to experience something with my husband that I would never have had if I did not face my fears. So I, it's just one example. I can give you so many examples in my life where I was fearful. I mean, I, I can share a lot about fear. I mean, when I was a little girl, my, my aunt said to my mom, you must take it to a psychologist. There's something seriously wrong with this child. I was, I was shy and I was afraid and I, was, I just wanted to be at home. So I had to deal with fear so many times in my life, and I just want to encourage you that God is greater. He's greater than your worst fear that you can think of, and you're not alone. Most people, if not everyone, battle with some kind of fear or intimidation. Some people just hide it better. Some people are bold and confident, and they hide it better, but we all need to deal with that. Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. The third part I want to highlight in that, in that portion of Scripture. And then God said, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. If we want to fulfill our dreams, if we want to dream big with God, we need to allow Him to touch our mouths. We need to allow Him to touch our hearts. And we need to allow Him to touch our hands. We need to, to come to God and say, Lord, I need you to put your words in my mouth. I need you to put your ideas in my mind. I need you to put your dreams in my heart. I need you to bless the work of my hand. We need to, to come to God with an expectation and we must draw near to him and ask him to come and do in us and through us what we never can do in our own strength. And God is faithful. He's faithful to do that. I really feel this morning that God is asking us this question. What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your hands? He asked Moses, remember? Moses also said he cannot speak. And then God said to him, Moses, what do you have in your hands? And he said, a rod. And God used that very natural thing to perform miracles. It became a miracle, an instrument of miracles in the hand of God. And, but, but God wanted him to bring what he had. You remember the story of the, not the story, it's, it's not a parable, where Jesus did the miracle of feeding the thousands, where his disciples said to him, Jesus, the people are hungry and we don't have anything for them to eat. We must make a plan. And Jesus said to him, but you feed them. And they said, but all we have, remember, all they had were the, the, the five loaves and the two fish. And Jesus said, bring it, bring it. They said, Lord, this is all we have. And Jesus said, bring it. And that was enough for God to do a miracle. There were 5,000 men that day. They picked up food afterwards. It was a major miracle. And all they had to do is to bring what they had in their hands. They just had to bring what they had. Do you have 5% faith? Then ask God to multiply it. Do you have 5% faith for what, what you want to do, what you're called to do in this life? Just bring it to God 
and allow him to multiply that. Just bring what you have. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody making a delicious meal from what they have in the kitchen. I don't know if there's anyone like you. For those of you who remember Rizalda van Dijk, they're not with us anymore. Um, they, moved, they moved away from Islanded, but she's the one person I know. She doesn't go to the shop and buy like three grocery bags to do her one thing she wants to do. She just uses whatever is in the kitchen. And she comes up with this meal, with this amazing food, and she just uses what she has. So I want to I wanna challenge you this morning. Okay, if you've been sleeping up until now, this is the moment that you must wake up, okay? Just don't miss this one sentence. I believe we need to look away from what we don't have. We must focus on what we do have. We must bring it to God or we must mix it with two things, okay? If you think about baking or cooking or doing something with ingredients, we need to take what we have and we need to mix it with two things. The one is faith. And the other one is faithfulness. If, if we can look away from what we don't have and just take what we have and mix it with faith and faithfulness, God can do a miracle in you and through you. You see, faithfulness is not enough. It's beautiful. And I am a, a firm believer of faithfulness, being faithful Day in, day out, week in, week out, I've seen the effect of faithfulness in my own life and many other people's lives. But we need more than faithfulness. We need faith. We need faith in a God that is, is greater than our own efforts and our own strength. But if we can take what God has given us and mix it with faith and faithfulness, the sky is the limit. There's so many things that God can do in you and through you. You will be amazed by what he can do. So what do you have in your hands? Maybe you have a skill set. Maybe you just have time. Maybe you don't even have a skill set. You have time. Maybe you have money. Maybe you have property. Maybe you have a farm. I actually felt some of you have land. And this is what God has, has placed in your hand. Maybe you have a passion. Maybe you have connections. What do you have in your hand? In terms of your environment, your family, your occupation, your culture your history, your background, what do you have in your hands? You know, I want to share a few of my personal dreams with you just so that you can start dreaming in your own capacity and see what God has done in, in my life. I've always wanted to work with my husband. Even before I knew Andre, I, I had this thing one day. I want to work with my husband. I was willing to do pretty much anything. Doing ministry is, is now a bonus, but I, I worked for 11 years in total, as an auditor, and I didn't know how this dream of doing what I do today will ever come to pass, because I, I kind of felt trapped at a, uh, at a stage, because I didn't know, even if there is an opportunity for me to do what I do today, I, I didn't at that stage knew how we were going to survive without my salary. I didn't know how it's going to be what I had in mind because I didn't want to do finances at church. I didn't want to just switch from doing what I did to, and doing the same thing or more or less the same thing at the church. I wanted to do what I do now, a combination of many things. I know many of you think we drink coffee all day, eh? preach. <laughs> we work on one sermon and then drink coffee. We do a little bit 
little bit more than that, just a little bit. <laughs> but after it was only after we moved to East London, only after I let go of so many things we had in, in Cape Town, my job, my friends, my stability, a house, we had to, I had to let go of so many things in Cape Town, and then God said, now I'm going to open a door for you in East London, of all places, to live my dream, to live my dream. And, you know, I, what did I have in my hands in terms of this dream? I had a passion for God's house. I, I can't even say that I had time because I'm talking now before I, um, before I made the, the, um, the change, career change, if you want to call it a career change. But um, I had a passion for the Lord's house. I, I didn't really have the time. I had to squeeze in hours. I had to find hours. So my, my life consisted of working and spending time at church. That was what my life looked like. Every spare hour and in the evenings or over weekends. And I, I worked long hours. I worked weekends. I worked overtime. But in spite of that, the passion for God's house was so strong that I would, I would take any spare moment and say, I want to spend it in God's house. And I took what I had, a passion for God's house, because that was the primary thing I had in my hands. And I mixed it with faithfulness, and I mixed it with faith. And after 11 years, God said to me, there's an open door for you. You know, when Andre kind of just mentioned, you know, in year one, when we arrived here, there were about 15, 20 people around them. So after a year, God has been so faithful and has grown the church to such, such an extent that Andre said something like, maybe, you know, the church can afford another, another person. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> you know, normally I think through the detail. Normally I think through all the consequences, also the financial consequences. And I was just... I'm in. I've been waiting a long time for this. It's exactly what I want to do. And maybe you have something like that. Maybe you have a dream and it kind of almost died already because it's been so long. I just want to encourage you to go back to those dreams. Go back to that dream. You know, I was, I was very happy in my work. Not very happy. Very happy is a relative concept when, when, <laughs> when you are in auditing. <laughs> But I enjoyed, I enjoyed my work. I, I, I loved my, I, I loved the environment. You know, I, I learned a lot. I would be forever thankful to God for the opportunities I had. If I can study again, I would do the exact same thing. But I knew this is not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And maybe for some of you it's different. Maybe you are flourishing in your work situation. Then go for it. With all of your heart. But if you may be in a current situation, you, don't, you know that this is not what you want to do for the rest of your life. There's something else. I want to encourage you to, to make serious business with God and to talk to Him about this. To talk to Him about your dreams. To talk to Him about the things that you really want to do. But while you are waiting for God to open a door for you, you are faithful and you believe. You, you mix it with faith and faithfulness. We can't just resign and now God must do a miracle, okay? We need to be faithful. We need to have faith that God is bigger than your current circumstances and that he is able to open a door for you. But until that moment, you 
must be faithful. Amen? Faith and faithfulness. There's another dream that I, that I had. It's, 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 a, it's a more recent dream. It started two years ago that I felt I must write a book. It was never, never been my plan to write a book. And I, I started in 2016. I, I had a draft. But I started in 2016. I put a draft down. It's a 30-day devotional for women. And then my husband started looking at the book. Andre's standards are really high now. He starts looking at the book. And in, in the best, polite, most polite possible way he could tell me, I could, I could very much see that this book needs a lot of work still. So I didn't know what to do. I honestly, I, I, I put everything into the draft. I know nothing about writing. I, I really don't. You've just heard my English journey, my story. I can do accounting and I can play the piano. Okay, I can do those things. <laughs> Writing is something very, very scary to me. I put the draft down and I, I, I stopped for a whole year when I could see in my husband's face that this thing has got so much work. I stopped for a year. And then at the beginning of this year, God said to me, Sonika, I want you to get over yourself. I want you to finish this because this is not your idea. This is my idea. And I felt that God said to me, I have a responsibility to write down the stories and the testimonies and the things that he has done in my life. Not only for now, but for generations to come, for people to read it in the future. Because if I'm not there anymore, it's going to tell my stories. If you are not there anymore, who's going to tell your stories? Who's going to live your dream? Who's going, to, who's going to continue? Because God is not thinking in one generation. God thinks generations to come. You can just read, uh, read the Bible, you know, the whole, when it all starts with Adam. There's, there's purpose in those, those names. You know, we always skip over that. Okay, okay, all the names. <laughs> we can't even pronounce half of them. <laughs> There's a purpose because God wants to tell us that he's, he is interested not in one generation, but in many generations. And sometimes the fulfillment of your dream is not even in your lifetime. But, it, it, but you need to start. It's like David. David. David didn't build God a house. Solomon did. But it was born in David's heart. So maybe there's something that's been born in your heart and you need to start it, but somebody else is going to finish it. So... I, what I did at the beginning of this year, I said, God, I will put time in my diary to write. So what I did, whenever I could find a time, one of those times uh, was when Andre would come to an evening service and I wasn't involved, I would say, God, I would put that time aside on a Sunday afternoon, okay, when most of you were taking your, your naps. I said, I will put that time in my diary and I will write. And I, God, I don't know how to finish this. I don't know how to improve this. I need help. But just because I said, Lord, okay, let's partner. <laughs> let's partner. You see, what, what did I have in my hands? I had stories. I had testimonies. I had a conviction that I have a responsibility to write down what God has done in my life. Did I know how to write? Not really. Did I know anything about a book or publishing? Andre did a book two, three years ago. I wasn't involved in the process. So I, I honestly don't know much. I don't know much. I love reading, but that's as much as I know about books. <laughs> I like reading other people's books. And 
I said to God, I will put time aside. And God did a miracle for me. I, I, I gave him my five loaves and my two fish, and he did a miracle for me. You see, and dreams are not self-made. Dreams are not self-made. God always would put people. He would, he would always give you people. He would always give you uh, an environment that will support you, that will help you. We cannot do this by ourselves. You know, so God has given me this husband that is unstoppably positive and unstoppably encouraging. You know, if it wasn't for Andre, I don't know how much I would have achieved in my life because it is just, he's forever challenging me to think wider and greater and deeper and to trust God for more. You need somebody like that in your life. Find somebody like that. But my husband is doing that for me. He's for, forever challenging me. And sometimes it drives me crazy because it's just bigger and faster and more. And, you know, I'm, our personalities are quite different. But it is so good for me. It is so good for me to be married to somebody who, who is a visionary. Because it challenges my own narrow thinking. It challenges my own idea about myself, about the church, about people, about what God can do and can't do. And it, it opens up a whole new world for me. So God has given me this person. You know, God has given me friends. And I want to publicly honor them this morning. Kerry Collins, she helped me with this book. She is quite good. It's, um, she doesn't have a problem with her English. She's really good. <laughs> she helped me structure my sentences, some of them. And, and then Nastasha Kotze, she's not here this morning. She helped me. She took it from a whole different angle, and she made suggestions, and she gave me different scripture references that I can use. And then I also just want to honor JP. You know, Jean Piagono is a world-class designer, graphic designer. So it is just amazing. If any one of you is looking for a really good graphic designer, I will give you his number. Okay. <laughs> it is just amazing how God can put people in your life that can take your five loaves and two fish. And together with them and God, it, it becomes something that is bigger than yourself. It becomes something that is bigger than your own efforts. And it becomes something that you thought would never materialize. Because in your own strength, you would not have been able to do that. And I want to I encourage you this morning. There's so much inside of you. There's so much inside of you that is maybe still lying passive. And God wants to bring you to the surface and he wants to inspire you. He wants to put people alongside you who can keep up your hands, who can pray for you, who can physically help you, who can... Who can, who can just be there for you and help you fulfill the call that God has placed on your life. It is incredible. This is what church is all about. It's not a one-man show. It's not about one person who is anointed. All of you are anointed. You know, I've been meditating again this, this week on the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because God has anointed me. And this is what you need to declare. Let's declare that. Okay, say with me. The spirit of the Lord God of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Amen. You are God's anointed son and daughter. You are the one who can, 
who can who can speak, who can who can do things. You are the one who can who can come up with a new idea. You know, I've been praying also just for you guys who are in business, just for ideas, for wisdom, for for ideas that's not your own, but it's born of God. Ideas that is going to blow people's minds, and you will know that it was a God idea. And I pray that we're going to pray at the end of the service now, just for all of you who 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 need wisdom, who need creative ideas, who need people around you, the right people, the right the right environment, the right system, the right situation, whatever you, whatever you might need. I have many dreams, but I just want to give you a few ideas of, you know, what, what's going on in my life so that you can start dreaming again. One of my dreams is that my son will serve Jesus. He's nine years old. I think it's, it, it's my, my family, my, my marriage, and my child. And everything around us for me is, is, is my most precious possession besides my salvation and my, my relationship with Jesus is my, my marriage and my, the son God has given me. They are my most precious possession. And my, my dream is that my son will serve Jesus. You know, I see pictures of him worshiping God. And I, I see glimpses of this already, you know, of what God is doing in him. But I see pictures of him worshiping God. And I... I see pictures of him following Jesus. And I, I have a dream that Andre and I will stay married for the rest of our lives. Not married, but happily married. You know, I have a dream not to become another statistic at the age of 60 or 50 or 60. There's so many pastors couples that get divorced in their 50s, in their 60s. I've recently heard about another pastors couple, an amazing couple they're now in their 60s, getting divorced. And I just say to God, Lord, I'm not settling for that. I'm not settling for a divorce in my 60s. You know, Andre has a standard joke that if I, leave, if I ever leave him, then he's leaving with me. So we, he says, I, I won't get it right, so, even if I try. But, you know, I have, a, I have this passion to not give up on this thing that is most precious to me. I have a passion to... To show the world by God's grace that it's possible. It's possible when Jesus is the center of your marriage. Not to one day just give up. Like, out of the blue, just give up. Surely it doesn't ever happen out of the blue. There's a slow fade. But sometimes it's such a shock for, for many people to see that they didn't see this coming. You know, another divorce. And how am I going to get this right? I'm going to... Take what God has given me, my marriage and my son, and I'm going to mix it with faith and faithfulness. I'm going to mix it with a faithfulness daily to, 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 to cherish what I have, to invest time, to do whatever it takes to fight for my relationship with my husband and my son. And I'm going to also mix it with faith that God is bigger than my faults, my weaknesses, our faults, our weaknesses, that we serve a God that is, that is able to keep us from falling. Amen? God is, able, God is the one who is able to keep us from falling. We can't get this right in our own strength, but I need to at least bring my little bit. I need to at least bring my, my five loaves and my two fish to this game and say, Lord, I'm going to put in everything, everything I can to not settle for a divorce in my, in my old age. I'm going to, I'll do anything, God, that it takes 
to fight for this that is precious. What is your dream? What is important to you in life? What are you fighting for? What are you willing to fight for? What are you not, not fighting for that you should fight for? What, what are the things in your life that is not negotiable, that you can't give up on, that you can't settle for, that you can't be, be mediocre or passive about? What are those things? Because you need to make up your mind what is really important in life. You need to make up your mind what is worth fighting for and dreaming about. And then you need to add faith and faithfulness and trust that God is going to do something beautiful. Not in your own life, but in generations to come. Amen. You know, I had this interesting conversation with Vian last week, my son. I printed him all the prophecies that he received when he was dedicated as a baby. So I want to encourage you, if you have a child and they grow older, print those words that's been spoken over them. Print it to them and read it to them. So all the words he received at his baby dedication and all the words he received when he was baptized three years ago, uh, I printed it to him. And we, we, we went through it together. And he was like, wow, is this what God thinks about me? And he was blown away. But now last week, he said to me, so mommy, the, those prophecies that's been prophesied over me, they are definitely going to come to pass. That, that was his his understanding of a word. He said, surely this is definitely going to be. And I said to him, not necessarily. We need to walk in the direction of our prophecies. We can't just stay somewhere and think God's going to do something miraculously out of the blue. We need to walk in the direction of our words. We need to at least bring what is in our hands. We need to add. We need to partner with the Lord. We need to come and say, Lord, I don't have much, but I have this. I don't have much faith, God, but I have 5% faith. I'm bringing this to the game. I'm bringing this to this, to this word you've given me. Lord, you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accomplish this. Lord, what is my responsibility? What is the thing I need to do? What is the thing I need to pray into being? What is the thing that I need to, to pursue and dream about? And I want to encourage you to go and dust off those words that you have received. Go back to the prophecies that God has spoken over your life. Dust it off. Take it off the shelf and start speaking life. Take them. Believe them with all of your heart. But then start walking in the direction of your prophecies. Because God wants to do great things in you and through you. And I can't wait. You know, I, I really feel that the release of this new Shafer album... With all of my heart, I feel that, that it's prophetic for us as a shofar group, that it's, there's more people that's going to do things like this. This is music. Okay? All of us are not into music, but I feel that there's going to be new ideas, new cre creativity coming from you guys, songs, and, and I feel there's more books that's going to be written. You know, if I can do this, surely you can do it. You know, I needed a lot of help, and all I had was a conviction, and I had stories. That's all I had. I had to learn. I'm still learning. I learned so much now about writing and publishing, and I really didn't know much. There's so much that God wants to do in you and through you, and I feel there's a release now with this new album. I feel there's a release of new things, new things that you guys are going to do, whether it's in your business. Maybe you need to expand. Maybe you need to Appoint another person in your business. Maybe you need to trust the Lord for, for just a, a bigger territory where you can, you can serve clients. I don't know, but I just feel there, there's something that's being released. And we need to find that thing that is 
our call, our destiny, what we need to walk in. Amen? I just want to read you one more scripture. Because maybe some of you think, no, you have nothing in your hands. It sounds good, but you have nothing in your hands. You know, you are one of those people, you didn't receive the five talents, and you didn't receive the two talents, and you didn't receive the one talent. You received nothing. (laughs) Okay, for those of you, I want to speak to you just for a moment. I have one last scripture I want to read. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26. It says, For now you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. In the New Living it says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. In the New King James, it says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? Why is God deliberately choosing people that are not necessarily wealthy or mighty or educated or powerful? Why? So that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, there's something about our lives that is normal and ordinary. And God has something miraculous and something extraordinary that points to Jesus. That should point to Jesus. Because surely if, if, if I can't do this in my own strength, and if I need people to assist with my dream, surely it should point to God. Amen? So if you don't feel anointed, if you don't feel that you have anything to give, it's okay. Because you're just missing what God has given you. You have something. But you don't have to be mighty or noble. We just need to stop voicing our disqualifications. Amen? We need to face our fears. and We need to allow God to put His words in our mouth. He streams in our heart, and we need him to bless the work of our hands. Amen? And he can do that. God is faithful to do that. You know, we, we need to start walking in the direction of our dreams. We need to start walking. This is all God is asking us. You know, Andre had this vision once where he was, he was in slops and shorts and, you know, very casually dressed. But then he started walking in the direction that God is calling him to walk. And in this vision, he saw God putting on armor, like the armor of God. He was just walking in the direction that God called him to walk. He was in, in, in very, very casually dressed, and God started dressing him in armor. And this is what God will do for you. The moment you start walking, the moment you take what is in your hands and mix it with faith and faithfulness, God can come and he can do a miracle in you and through you. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.